We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows alongside Andrew Mertig. And we're back for another Friday edition of the podcast. Andrew, it's really good to be back for another show. Yeah, uh, Kyle, great to be back. But more importantly, like I don't think we're actually alone right now. Oh, that's awkward. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, <laughs> so we've always been the dynamic duo, and now we're adding a third, at least temporarily. So uh, a big warm welcome to Maggie Loney to the Friday show. Uh, even though this is a temporary fix, we think uh, we are very excited to have her aboard um, as long as we get to. And Kyle and I are both going to get bumped down at least one spot on the list of most knowledgeable hosts. Uh, that is not true, but my co-hosts always make fun of me all the time. So this is a very welcomed breath of fresh air and I'm excited to be here. Oh, yeah, we will we, certainly we are, be making fun of you. <laughs> Yeah, so for the record, that makes Kyle host two and me three. Oh, that is way more credit than I thought I was going to be getting, so I'll, I'll take that. I'm, I'm uh, feeling very generous tonight. 
<laughs> uh, but we are excited to have Maggie joining us for the next couple weeks. And she'll be with us right up to the draft and for the show that we, for the first time, will get to talk about the Packers' 2020 first-round selection. Unless Green Bay does trade out of the first round, of course, in which we're our show will be very anticlimactic and very different, but um, we're super lucky to have Maggie along for the ride for these weeks. And uh, we wanted to start the show off today by profiling two of our favorite prospects in the upcoming draft. And the two players that we're going to talk about have drawn some attention from draft Twitter, especially among Packers fans. And so uh, they're good names to know because they're players that certainly fit a lot of what Green Bay looks for and really what they need to fill some holes on this roster. And these are players that I think are pretty easy for Andrew and Maggie especially to talk about because I'm fairly sure that both of these prospects are pretty big draft crushes for you guys. So let's jump right in here, Andrew. Uh, no more suspense. Reveal your draft crush and tell us who you're breaking down for us today. I, I, I feel so uncomfortable right now because this is not a draft crush of mine. <laughs> it's not? No. You don't you like that assumption? Do you want me to change I mean, the player right now? He's fine. No, okay. we were told who we were covering, but I'm going to talk about I just Listen, want the I was, viewers. I, want I was just trying to sell Full transparency it. here. Full right. transparency. Not a draft <laughs> We're going to skip Fine this player. whole part here because apparently Andrew's not excited to talk about it. I'm not editing it out because this is on <laughs> you. But I'm going to talk about Zach Bond, the Fine. edge or linebacker from Wisconsin. I'm not really sure how to describe his position, but people are not going to like this pick. Because first, there's the Wisconsin connection, and I've talked about how people, like, they either love ex-Badgers because of their in-state connection, or they absolutely hate anybody who played Madison with a passion because they are not fans of that particular team. So we're going to try a really challenging activity where we just look at the player and not the jersey, right? Like, how you're actually supposed to evaluate draft prospects. The second thing people are going to hate is he's a position versatile player. And I think we we tend to get really uncomfortable with players who don't have a designated role and they just kind of do everything well. Because for me, there's a big difference between somebody who's versatile and somebody who's a tweener. Bond has really nice explosiveness. He takes really strong angles and he uses hands well to shed blockers. If he is in off ball, the pass rush moves are going to help dislodge him from blockers at the second level. He's not a really bendy guy, so I don't love him as a just full-time go-forward edge. But as a blitzer from off ball, he will be a problem. He does a really nice job in space of bringing guys down. Um, Even though his measurements were a little bit lacking, his tape shows that he's a pretty good tackler. Not a pure speed guy, but he has good quickness, and he's better than you think as an athlete. He'd be a perfect fit in a scheme versatile system. So you're thinking the Patriots, the Ravens, the Dolphins, the Lions, etc. And I'd say Kyle Van Noy is a pretty good comparison, uh, which which definitely makes people nervous because you you and I remember the Detroit Lions version of Kyle Van Noy and not so much the Patriots version, but the Dolphins just paid him. And that is because he's a really valuable player for everything that he can do instead of looking at the things that he can't. So in my adjusted ratings, I have Bond as my 70th overall prospect, which should freak you out. Um, But there is a little bit of explanation needed there. He's 23 years old, so he did not get any bump for being a young guy that the Packers typically preference. And he also has a good but not great RAS score with a 7.84. He also loses some points for being in a non-premium position, off-ball linebacker, which I take into effect. So if you just simply move him to edge, suddenly he jumps all the way up to the 40th-ranked prospect in the draft. And that doesn't seem like such a stretch at the end of the first round. So um, I think 
from a Packers perspective, he has some things working against him. But um, Bond is going to be a really intriguing prospect to some specific teams. Yeah, to me, Bond feels like an ideal Packers pick for the fan base because it's a Badger at the team's perceived biggest area of need at inside linebacker. Um, But I don't have the energy to talk about TJ Watt anymore, Um, even though the parallels can be made to the point that if Bond is there at 30 and the Packers trade back into round two, Twitter might explode a little bit. Uh, But I like Bond because of his talent and his versatility, the same stuff that Andrew was talking about. Pro Football Focus gave Bond an elite pass rush grade of 91 in 2019, and he's also able to cover. So he dropped into coverage 195 times and only allowed 125 yards. He's tallied five pass breakups and an interception. Uh, He was a stout run defender for the Badgers during his collegiate career as well, which we know is an area of emphasis for the Green Bay defense in this draft. I think he'd be one of those really fantastic chess pieces in Mike Pettin's defense uh, since he plays... uh, Well, I could see him playing primarily inside opposite Kirksey and occasionally getting after the quarterback off the edge with the Smiths. I think pick 30 is a little bit too rich, but if he were to be there at pick 62, then I'm all about it. Yeah, I like Bond quite a bit. Uh, I think he'd be a really nice kind of chess piece for this Packers defense. I think the versatility is a huge, huge factor. But as Andrew mentioned, the age is the biggest thing that I would think the Packers would, you know, have some pause about, especially in the first round at pick 30. Uh, Bond will turn 24 years old during the 2020 season. Uh, So that's, you know, he's not a young guy like the Packers prefer. Uh, But there's no doubt the guy is talented and would bring a lot to this Petten defense. But I know know Andrew may not have had a crush on his player, as I assumed, um, which is my fault because he has sent me his rankings. So that's my fault not doing my homework. Sorry, Andrew, but I know. How dare you? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Andrew. <laughs> um, but I know Maggie has a player that she's dying to get to. So, Maggie, who is your actual crush in this 2020 class? The best part about this is that it was completely random that he was assigned to us. I didn't get to pick this. I just happened to luck into this. Um, but my guy, as the post-it note in my home office says, Ross Blacklock, no matter what. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I've had this affinity for BJ Raji-esque players um, during my time as a Packers fan. Uh, But every year I always have a defensive lineman draft crush in addition to whoever else is my dream pick for the Packers that year. Uh, And this year my dream pick happens to also align with an area of need for Green Bay, which is a run-stuffing nose tackle. Uh, to me, Blacklock, he, I mean, he has that little bit of an injury history because he missed his whole sophomore season with an Achilles injury, but he had a fantastic bounce back year his junior year that kind of propelled him forward in this draft class uh, for TCU. Pro Football Focus gave him an 89.5 run defense grade in 2019, which is ideal, opposite a guy like Kenny Clark, who's more of a pass rushing lineman than a run stuffer. So to me, you get a guy like Blacklock in there who can eat up blocks take on those double teams, so Kenny Clark is free to rush the passer. During his two seasons at Texas Christian University, Blacklock had 67 total tackles with 15.5 for a loss and five and a half sacks. So he's not going to be your elite pass rusher guy, but that's okay because the Packers are about to pay Kenny Clark a lot of money to be their pass rushing guy long term. Uh, So to me, Blacklock immediately comes in as your day one starter opposite Clark and helps solve almost every remaining problem on your defense in the run game. 
Okay, so I'm going to be honest and admit that I hadn't really watched almost a second of actual tape on Ross Blacklock, other than just a few highlights and maybe reading some draft profiles until seriously like two days ago. And uh, that's probably true of many of the defensive linemen in this draft class, just because I've been wrapped up in some other positions. But my goodness, Blacklock is really intriguing. And I had seen some people billing him as someone who's going to be a penetrating three tech for you. But I, I, I don't even know if he's really necessarily that kind of a player at this point in his career and his development, but I didn't realize how good of an anchor player he's been and actually how well he's played against some double teams. So for me, I think Blacklock is someone who could be intriguing to the Packers, maybe even at 30, as hard as that would probably be on some fans to see happen because he could give Clark the help he needs, as Maggie said, and uh, be versatile enough to play maybe a penetrating role long-term while also being kind of that guy who can two-gap when needed. So Andrew, where are you um, with Blacklock and where does he stack up in your grades? Yeah, I really like him a lot. In fact, he's my defense alignment too. Um, what I like about him, he's an intriguing blend of size and speed. You don't see a lot. Um, he has a bunch of juice as a pass rusher right away. Um, you know, Maggie mentioned his his run stuffing. I thought he had a little bit more potential as a pass rusher too. So um, I, I really like the guy. Um, in my adjusted rating, he's my 28th overall prospect. So that fits in right where the Packers are picking. Uh, he's helped a little bit by being 22 years old. He's got a 7.85 Raz, which I like. Um, you know, my only question is, is he somebody that the Packers think that they could get a little bit later? And I know for our own selfish purposes, we don't want them to trade down because we have the podcast at night, but it might be in the team's best interest. And maybe this is a player that they target as a trade down instead of taking him at 30. I, I don't know, but certainly an intriguing prospect to watch out for and, and definitely fits a lot of um, both the the physical abilities that the Packers look for in the draft, but then also I think would, would fit a huge need that they have on the team right now. Um, so we were just tasked with, with talking about Zach Bond and Ross Blacklock tonight, and we did it. Um, and we wanted to do something a little bit different for, for this week's show. Um, and so what we did is we actually got together and, and did a group mock draft. So we ran through one specific mock draft scenario. Um, and then based on which players were available, we all picked a different one that the Packers could potentially select at that position. So I'm going to run through for each of the four rounds that we did, which players are available. Um, and then we'll each talk about who we decided to pick and why. So um, in, in our scenario for the first round that we ran through, um, conveniently enough, both the players we just talked about are available at pick 30. So that was nice. really fortunate. Maybe a little bit fortuitous. Uh, so we have linebacker Zach Bond from Wisconsin. We have defense lineman Ross Blacklock from TCU. But in addition, some interesting names, running back J.K. Dobbins, linebacker Patrick Queen, who I know a lot of people love, uh, another defense lineman, Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma, LaVisca Chenault from Colorado, the receiver. Uh, you have Cesar Ruiz from Michigan, the interior offensive line, wide receiver T. Higgins, A.J. Epinesa, the edge, Jeremy Chin, the player, from Southern <laughs> Illinois. I don't know what tradition to call him anymore. Uh, Austin Jackson, the tackle from USC, Kyle's personal favorite. Oh um, wide receiver KJ Hamler from Penn State, Lucas Niang from TCU, and uh, Yater Gross Matos from Penn State, the edge defender. So, Kyle, you got the pleasure of going first. So, who did you select? 
Yeah, a lot of good players here on the board. Um, but I'm going to get a little weird right out of the gate because a lot of my favorite targets for Green Bay are off the board in this scenario. So I'm going to shake things up and take a player simply because I think they're the best player available regardless of position. And I'm picking Michigan center Cesar Ruiz here. And I know the Packers don't have an immediate need at center or even interior offensive line, really. Uh, but that's kind of where we thought we were going into the draft last year and we came out with Elton Jenkins in the second round, he ended up taking the starting gig at left guard and never looking back. So I think Ruiz is valuable to Green Bay in a couple ways. First, I think he could push Billy Turner in camp, and he might just win that job. But then he also gives the Packers a ton of flexibility going into 2021 with Corey Lindsley's expiring deal, and he could bump over and play that center position. So not the most natural fit, certainly not the most exciting pick in the world, uh, but I think Ruiz is a really good value at 30. So I feel like this is completely cheating um, or maybe a little bit too predictable, but I'm going to double down on the black lock love. Uh, my favorite candidates at inside linebacker, offensive tackle and wide receiver are all off the board already at 30. So rather than reach, I'm just going to take a guy and know will be a day one starter and shore up the defense. It's not going to be the sexy receiver pick that a lot of Packer fans are hoping for at pick 30, but it's also not a center like Kyle pick. So I think I'm at <laughs> least doing better <laughs> with the fans in that regard. Um, but if the Packers can fix one of their biggest needs in round one, which is run defense, then I think that they're setting themselves up for a ton of success for the remainder of the draft. Yeah, so I like what both of you did. Obviously, I talked about my affinity for Ross Blacklock a moment ago. Um, I I think I like Cesar Ruiz as much or more than anybody else um, that's that's talking about draft prospects, and I think that's a really cool fit, and especially um, for shoring up that potential weakness next offseason the Packers are going to be facing with Corey Lindsley facing free agency and and uh, what seems like a likelihood that Billy Turner would be released um, so you guys left me uh, with some difficult choices here because I can't take either of the two players that you did and and uh, I I would say um, my choice came down to two different players. Number one was wide receiver LaVisca Chenault from Colorado, and then also offense tackle Lucas Niang from TCU. What I like about them, both are 21, um, and I think Goot would like both of those things. Um, and I think the thing that you don't like is that both come with health concerns. Chenault, for me, if healthy, would absolutely change the way this offense works, and he would be that kind of gadget player that would really help to take some pressure off of Devontae and Aaron Jones. But tackle is just too important of a position. So I'm going to go with Lucas Niang. Um, I, we, quite frankly, don't know if he is a good fit for what Matt LaFleur wants in a right tackle. He might prefer a more mobile player for the outside zone run scheme. But they brought in Rick Wagner. And his latest experience in Tennessee, he had Jack Conklin. Um, and so I'm actually willing to bet that they see the value in Niang. And, you know, Lucas is my OT5, which, by the way, Ben Solak agreed with me on last week's episode. So uh, <laughs> take that, Kyle. Uh, and he he's an absolute people mover in the run game. He can lock up pass rushers because he's got tons of length and strength. Uh, ben mentioned that his injury really limited it last year, so his tape wasn't that great. But if you go back to 2018, he may have actually been in the discussion with the other top four offense tackles in this class. So with a year of development or perhaps even an open competition at right tackle with Billy Turner, I think Niang makes all the sense in the world. 
Um, so then we jumped into the second round. Uh, some interesting names here for sure. Wide receiver KJ Hamler from Penn State. Uh, defense alignment Justin Madbuki and Raekwon Davis. You got safety Ashton Davis. Running back Cam Akers. Wide receiver Brandon Ayuk. Uh, wide receiver Michael Pittman. Uh, there's a corner, Damon Arnett from Ohio State. You have Prince Tego Wanago from Auburn, Isaiah Wilson, uh, another tackle from Georgia, uh, linebacker Malik Harrison, quarterback Bryce Hall, quarterback Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma. There would be a fun pick. <laughs> Kyle, who'd you go with? Jalen Hurts. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm going to take <laughs> – I didn't get my receiver in the first round, and I really like a couple guys – we're still on the board here, but Brandon Ayuk is one of my guys. I've watched him really early in the process, liked him then, and just circled back around and just think he's a really, really talented player. There's obviously some rawness to him. He's certainly got a ways to go as a route runner and in his consistency as a receiver, but his floor is pretty high, and then he's going to give you all kinds of speed and all kinds of yards after catch. He's kind of that yak king kind of player. Um, he's a former running back, and you can see that in how he plays the game. And I think he's exactly what this offense needs. So I'm going to take Brandon Ayuk at 62. So Kyle and I are definitely on the same page, uh, but I went with Michael Pittman Jr. here. Uh, he's got some of the best hands in the class, and he's a huge target for Rodgers, either on the boundary or as a bully in the slot, which I like. Um, he also likes to block, which we know is really important to Matt LaFleur and how the, the way he operates his offense. I think the Packers can get enough gadget stuff going on with their running game, especially now that Swerve and Irvin is back in town. Uh, so I'll take the guy that can high point balls and immediately gain Rogers trust as a physical receiver. Um, I think he would immediately improve the offense and take some of the pressure off a tight end unit that continues to develop. But if Sternberger makes a second year jump an offense with Devonte Adams, Michael Pittman Jr., Alan Lazard and Sternberger would just be unfair. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you guys both went re with receiver. There are two things I've learned from this episode so far. Number one is that for Maggie, Ross is a black lock as the pick in the first round. Get it? Lock. <laughs> oh, my gosh. People. Sorry, I'm going to quit immediately. And then also, Kyle likes Brandon. I yak. Ah. Yeah. Got it? All right. Cool. You're Fun now that everybody has turned that. me off, this is fantastic. <laughs> um, so uh, Brian, uh, Brandon Ayuk is my 21st overall player for the Packers. So obviously he's going to be the slam dunk pick if he's available in the second round for me. But Kyle got to pick before me, so he gets to use my own <laughs> scouting against me. And that makes this difficult. I'm, I'm kidding. We both loved Ayuk very early in the process. I, I would love Cam Akers. Um, I really like Raekwon Davis, too. But I'm going to go with wide receiver because that's the trend, and that's what we're all doing in this round. So I'll just uh, take KJ Hamler from Penn State. He is my 43rd best player for the Packers, so I still think he's a great value at the end of the second. He's 20 years old, which is crazy, um, and he also would have likely put up a really strong RAS score if he actually got to have a pro day. Um, so what I like about him, he has tremendous foot quickness. He's that like stop-and-start guy that you're going to love. I think he has deep speed. Um, I'm not sure exactly how much I would have loved to see what kind of 40 time he ran. Um, certainly, he body catches too much, but, you know, he was so far beyond the defenders in college that sometimes he just did that to be safe. Uh, he looked like he was he was uh, catching punts at times. 
Um, but when he uses hands, he was a pretty reliable receiver there. Um, he played all over the place outside slot. Seems more effective in the slot because that way he can use his quickness with two-way breaks. Um, certainly needs to improve his footwork and route running, but what college receiver doesn't? Um, you know, he uses his quickness too much rather than being really precise. Uh, struggled a little bit with contested catches. He's short. You know, he's not super long, so that could be an issue. Um you know, he's a willing blocker, but he's small, so he isn't super effective. And that may affect the way that a Matt LaFleur um, type of offensive coach would look at him. Um, I said Chenault would be a really good weapon for LaFleur for gadget plays. Hamler is exactly the same way, but he's not the kind of wrecking ball LaVisca is, but he could provide sort of a McCole Hardman-like presence for the offense in year one. So then we jump forward to the third round, um, and we have all sorts of players available. I'm not going to read off the list, um, but Kyle, you get to go first. Out of the available players, who who are you going with? Um, there is a really good group of players here. You don't want to grace us with all of these fantastic names that are borderline day one, <laughs> day two, day three guys. I'm just kidding. We don't have to go through all of them. Um, Antonio Gibson is my guy. I'm going to take Gibson out of Memphis here, and he's a running back, and I say running back pretty loosely. If you listen to Antonio Gibson interviews, he'll tell you that he views himself as a wide receiver who happens to be able to play some running back, and so it's interesting that he's always kind of grouped with the running backs, um, but whether you want to call Gibson a running back or a wide receiver doesn't really matter to me. I'm excited about the offensive weapon that I'm getting, and when I pair Gibson with Ayuk from the second round, I feel pretty pumped about adding some wiggle, speed and yak to my offense and I think guys like Gibson and Ayuk have really good complementary skill set to pair with bigger receivers that the Packers have and guys like Lazard and now Funchess. So since I got my wide receiver in round two I wanted to go back to the defensive side of the ball and I went with one of my absolute favorite players in this draft class who is Akeem Davis Gaither. So in his junior and senior seasons at Appalachian State he combined for almost 200 total tackles with 24 for a loss, six and a half sacks, had one interception, he broke up 15 passes, and he had 15 tackles for a loss, which helped him to win the 2019 Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Year. He's a little bit on the smaller side for an inside linebacker at only 219 pounds, but he's proven that he can be a really sure tackler with the ability to shed blocks. And during his 2019 season, he was primarily asked to drop into coverage rather than to get after the quarterback which allowed him to display a lot of that lateral quickness in the middle of the field. Um, so since we have Kirksey already in the middle of the field who lacks some of that coverage ability, pairing him with a guy like Akeem Davis-Gaither would be that ideal complement inside as a coverage guy. Um, so he's he's smaller, but he's also another versatile chess piece that Mike Patton could use in a variety of ways on his defense. Yeah, and Kyle knows I absolutely have a gigantic crush on Antonio. Antonio Gibson um, and I really like the team Davis Gaither as well and and both of those would have been options um, for me but I I ended up going with Troy Dye the linebacker from Oregon he definitely struggled through some injuries but if he's healthy this year he would be, be or he would be getting some push as um, potentially a much higher pick than in the third round and I have him slated as the 94th best prospect for the Packers so he fits perfectly at the end of the third round uh, he'll start out as an athletic coverage linebacker but I think his instinct will allow him to be an every down player once he adds a little bit more functional strength so um 
Then we jump into the fourth round, and and the fourth round is going to be highlighted by a whole bunch of different wide receiver options, um, some some tackles, some interior offensive linemen, but a lot of players still on the board. Um, and Kyle, which way are you leaning? I'm just doing my best to make sure I pick a player that you want to pick later. That's yeah. that's the that's <laughs> that's a good the strategy. theme of this the theme of this whole thing. Um, I am going to select Jack Driscoll here. Uh, the offensive tackle from Auburn, and I haven't addressed tackle yet with any of my picks, and I do think the Packers will be looking for developmental future starter kind of player, and I think Driscoll has a chance to be a starting right tackle in the league, and so I'm going to let him give it a go at tackle, but then if he fails at tackle, I'm pretty confident that his limitations will be solved with a slide inside to guard. So worst case scenario, I have my heir apparent to Billy Turner. Best case scenario, I have an heir to Rick Wagner. So I'm pretty excited about the versatility that Jack Driscoll gives me here in the fourth round. Yeah, so Kyle and I are on the same page again, just like we were in the second round. I am taking Hakeem Adnaji. Uh, the Packers have a great history of drafting their offensive linemen on day three, and Adnaji might be another hidden gem in this draft. Um, if their preferred guy isn't there for them in round one when they pick at 30, I would be fully on board with sitting and getting a high-value pick like Adnaji in the fourth He's made 48 consecutive starts for Kansas City. Uh, He played primarily left tackle, which we know is something the Packers value in their offensive linemen. Um, So with Rick Wagner pegged as the starter at right tackle initially, um, at least Adnaji could be one of those kind of bridge players. Um, Or Rick Wagner would be the bridge player while we let Adnaji develop. But he also provides some really nice insurance as a swing tackle on the roster, and he could eventually be that heir apparent to right tackle, kind of like Kyle was talking about with Jack Driscoll. Absolutely. And I had already taken tackle in the first, so um, I will break off from the trend of tackles in the fourth uh, with both of you. And I honestly spent 15 minutes debating this. No joke. I sat and stared at my screen for like 15 (laughs) minutes trying to figure out who I preferred. Um, And I was going to go with another wide receiver because I love Tyler Johnson from Minnesota. I love Devin DuVernay from Texas. Um, They're both rated really highly on my board. DuVernay has 4.39 speed. Tyler Johnson has great hands and great route running ability and fits more of the size profile the Packers are looking for. So go with one of those two, right? However, what I realized is after staring at my screen for that long, um, there's a little bit of a logjam at receiver if the Packers draft one high. You have Devontae Adams, you have Alan Lazard, you have Devin Funchess. Um, in this case, I drafted KJ Hamler, so that's that high receiver. But then you have guys like MVS, Equinemius, Jake Kumaro, Reggie Bagleton. That doesn't leave a lot of room for another player, right? I mean, you have four legit guys in MVS, ESB, Kumaro, and Bagleton that um, will be fighting for that fifth spot in this scenario. So, do the Packers double dip at receiver in the draft? I don't know, maybe, but it doesn't seem like quite as much of a need as if I would have told you that at the beginning Do of the offseason. I'm just kidding. Yeah, so <laughs> I took a hard pass. I went with defensive lineman McTelvin Aguim from uh, Arkansas, who's a personal draft crush of mine in the mid-rounds. He's 22 years old. He's got an 8.54 Raz. He is not going to hold the point of attack from the beginning of his career, but man, he explodes through some gaps, and he's a legit 300, 310. Um, so he's big enough to play in the pros, and he's 
definitely quick enough to make an impact on pass rushing downs. Um, so I like him as a pass disruptor. Um, and, you know, I think he fits in with the Packers scheme and what they're looking for. So just as a quick review, uh, Kyle, you want to go over the four players that you acquired and kind of how that fits in with the Packers needs? Yeah, in the first round, I was able to get Cesar Ruiz at center. I took wide receiver Brandon Ayuk in the second round. Third round, uh, Antonio Gibson, running back, wide receiver, weapon, all-around player. Um, fourth round, I took Jack Driscoll uh, to be my bridge offensive lineman of the future. Feel pretty good about this group. Uh, feel really good about the offensive weapons I was able to add and the, the different flavor uh, that this team will have because of that. But uh, I do see that I did completely ignore the defensive side of things, which is troublesome. <laughs> wow. No defensive lineman, no off-ball linebacker. Kyle, you get an F. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I love every pick you made, but people are going to criticize you. It is not easy being a GM, right? Andrew was like, Kyle's taking all the players I want the whole time. And then at the end, he's like, I fail you. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job. Sounds so, right. Maggie, who did, who did you end up with? I was a nice even split Two and two started with defensive lineman Ross Blacklock. Second round, I grabbed wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. Third round, I got my inside linebacker and Akeem Davis Gaither. And then in the fourth, I took my my hopeful tackle of the future at Hakeem Adnaji. So to me, this was a nice mix of, I guess, see, so to me, this is interesting because I feel like I addressed where the fans maybe have the biggest perceived needs. So run defense is a big one. Fans are clamoring for another wide receiver, and I do think that the Packers agree with them there. Definitely think that they could have waited until day three to grab an, an inside linebacker since they did go and get Kirksey. Not sure where they're going to draft the tackle because of that. Um, I think maybe the only changeup I would have made is taking a defensive back maybe a little earlier. I think that would have been my one swap out looking at this now and kind of where I made my picks. Yeah, and it's interesting because you and I drafted exactly the same positions, just in a very different order. Um, cause I ended up with tackle Lucas Niang, wide receiver, KJ Hamler, linebacker, Troy Dye and defense lineman, McTelvin, Ajim. Um, and so again, I, I think both of us checked the boxes. Um, so, you know, if, if the players, you know, that are picked in those roles pan out, you've, you've maybe satisfied a few of the areas that, that the team has identified as weaknesses, or at least the fan base has. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly there's, there's other needs out there, defensive back, um, Kyle took a running back, but we did not. Um, and certainly there's, you know, some other depth concerns, uh, interior offensive line. Um, Kyle's the only one that took one of those. So uh, really, really interesting the way that those things work out. And I, I think it, it's it's interesting to see how, you know, three different people can um, sort of approach the same situation and, and come out with players that um, many of us are becoming familiar with the names of and, and getting more in-depth analysis. And, and so um, I thought it was a fun activity. Hopefully everybody listening did as well. Uh, but uh, that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Pack a Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find me at Andrew Merdick. Maggie, I'm going to let you this episode say your own because I know not only do you have Twitter, but then you also have a secondary podcast to, to talk about too, right? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney, L-O-N-E-Y. And I also write for Cheesehead TV and I podcast um, with Perry Goldstein and we do a podcast called Pax What She Said. Uh, so those are the three ways that you can find my work on Twitter. 
Absolutely. Thank you. Um, and uh, it has been an absolute blast adding in a third person. We will probably do it again next week unless we decide not to invite you back. Um, <laughs> but please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every single Friday leading up to the draft. Next week, we are going to be back with a very special guest. So make sure you tune in next Friday. Um, we're going to be talking some more NFL draft. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.